Will you turn with me to the Psalms? Psalm 27, please. What we're going to do is just lift the first verse. We'll look at all our scriptures, of course, but we're just going to lift the very first verse. Just thinking of our brother Ronnie. He's away preaching all day today in Enniskillen. That the Lord will bless him. I think it's Enniskillen this week. The Lord will bless him. And our brother Billy is missing from the base. He's away visiting family as well in England. And we do miss him. The Lord bless him. He's such a faithful brother in the Lord. Psalm 27 verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let's read it again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Just Tuesday past, as we know, uh, I buried from Whitewell Metropolitan Tabernacle. Uh, I buried my friend and our brother, uh, Robert. Robert would have been, by the way, buried from here, only it was quite far. He was being, uh, his, the graveyard was up in uh, Carrick, Fergus, which is some distance away. But he was always a white whaler, anyhow. Anyway, I used this verse, verse 27, or Psalm 27 and verse 1, and I used it as a basis of the word that I would bring at the funeral service. Now, what you're hearing isn't what I preach, by the way. It's just, it sparked something in me. And when I just read through it and read over it and I preached on it at his funeral service, it, some things really started to minister to me also. And so uh, I sort of opened up when this is the only part of the funeral service really that, that I'll mention. But I spoke one time of how when Robert was on his deathbed and I was sitting at the side of his bed on the side of it. And we'd be talking about different things and at times he was sleepy and he was wakening up and he was just closing his eyes for a moment and he opened his eyes and he looked at me and out of the blue, he just says to me, Ken, how do you describe him? How do you describe him? And I thought for a few seconds and I said, Robert, he's indescribable. A man and a woman must experience the Lord by the Spirit and the Word. He's indescribable. What I'll bring this evening is, it's nothing in compare, comparison to who Christ is. Nothing in comparison to whom our God is. And we know that in the Scriptures that God reveals Himself in many different ways, but mainly He manifests and reveals Himself as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's theophany, he's a burning bush and he's a pillar of fire and he's a cloud by day, by day and fire by night and he's all of those things. But how do we describe the indescribable? In Psalm 27 and verse 1 it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. And notice first of all, the Lord, uh, when we speak of him, the Lord, there he is. That's enough. And how do you describe the indescribable, but yet he's not unknowable? He's indescribable for the man and the woman who are saved and have come to know him. 
He's unknowable to the unregenerate and the unsaved. But how do, how do we describe the indescribable for the Lord? There he is. He just is. There he is. He is the Lord. And there's no need for an introduction when we mention him between redeemed hearts. There's no need for an explanation of who we speak of. When Robert said to me, how do you describe him? I knew he wasn't thinking of one of our other colleagues or friends. He was thinking of the one who redeemed him, the one whom his soul loveth. How do you describe him? He's indescribable, I said. He's indescribable. The word Lord here, who is he? He is the Lord. And the word Lord here is the word for Yahweh. Or Jehovah as we know it more than Yahweh. Many people I should say know it more. It means that he is the eternal, the self-existing one. I need you to get this. Because who is he? He is the Lord. He is the eternal self-existing one. He is Jehovah. He is Yahweh, the God of Israel. He is the one who has been from eternity, way past our finite understanding and our finite human minds can comprehend. Who is he? He is the eternal God, the Lord, the self-existing one. Here's what I wrote when I, I wrote this yesterday morning. I'll tell you why. After the funerals, you know, we went away for two days, Allison and I, just to clear our minds for a while. And when I was away and we were driving, we drove nearly 500 miles around Ireland. Well, part of Ireland, Northern Ireland, into Ireland. And while she's gazing out the window and I'm looking out, and it's in the countryside, lovely, my mind's going like this. Thinking of the Lord. We're lying in bed in the hotel we're in. My mind's going like this. And Alison's sleeping away. He giveth his beloved sleep, she says. <laughs> I wrote it yesterday morning. I got up early. I couldn't sleep. And I had to get up and start writing. And I had it finished before lunchtime. And I had the rest of the day to myself. It was great. I had to offload this as I read this and wrote this. So this is what I wrote, note to self, note to self, note to you church, God, Jehovah, Yahweh, is God and always was God and always will be God. Note, he is self-existing, self-existing meaning he is not depending on any other that is on you or me. He exists independently from our belief in him. Whether we, we say we believe in him doesn't uplift him. He still exists. He still is God. He exists independently from our belief in him, meaning his existence, his power, his greatness does not depend on our giving of worship. He doesn't depend on us worshipping him. We worship him because we depend on him. The Lord. 
The title of this is The Lord Is. He is the self-existing one, the eternal, and he lives. Notice our prayers. Our prayers do not determine his strength. I want to say it again. Our prayers do not determine his strength, but rather we pray because we need his strength. And our belief does not equate to his existence. For the Lord is. He just is. God is still God, brother. God is still God's sister, whether man believes in him or not. He is the Lord. And outside of here, and in the world, and across the nations, there are men and women who hate the Lord, who are call themselves atheists and all manner of other things. I can tell you, it does not diminish his power, nor his person, nor who he is. He is still the Lord. He is still the Lord. God is still God, whether man believes in him or not. He's not like the gods of Greek mythology, you know. They only retain their position and their place when man would worship them. And when man stops worshiping them, they lost their place and their position. They lost their power in mythology. And it's not like those of ancestral worship, whether it be in Africa or in Asia, where others say, you must worship me as I die, son. You are to pray to me and to worship me for my continual existence in an afterlife. You see, friend, God does not depend on us. He is the self-existing, one true living God. And David says in Psalm 27 and verse 1, the Lord is. He is what he is. The Lord is what he is. For example, he is the omniscient one, meaning he is all-perceiving, all-knowing one. He is the omnipotent one. He is the all-powerful one. He is the omnipresent one, that meaning he is all present everywhere at once. And he is the omnibenevolent one, meaning he is the God of all love. That's our Lord, and that's our God. That's the one David has written about in Psalm 27. And listen to what the risen Christ said in Revelation 1 and verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, notice, and which was and which is to come, the Almighty, he says. Jesus is the Almighty God, wrapped, clothed, veiled, and manifest in a human body in the flesh. And listen, this is the one who came to die for you. I get this. This wasn't just some spiritual guru. This wasn't just some prophet who came out of Judah. 
This wasn't such, some sort of religious cultic figure, some leader. He is the Lord. And he came in the person of his son. And he hung on Calvary's tree. And he bled and died for you. What would you offer the Lord for your salvation? Since he gave him for you. What feeble, fickle, frail vanity can you bring to the Lord to say, Look what I have done. What would you offer? Your alms and your good deeds and your gifts. Your own works and your own labors of love. And your money and your riches and your pleasures. What can a man give to God for his salvation but nothing? For Christ has done it all. Christ came and he has done it all. He says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. Saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. Speaking of his eternality. The Almighty. Listen to Exodus chapter 3. When Moses is in the backside of the desert. And he sees that burning bush. And he turns aside to see this sight. And he comes over and the voice from the burning bush says. Moses, take thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place where on thy standest is holy ground. And Moses approaching the burning bush. Moses approaching the presence of the Lord. Takes his shoes from off his feet to be able to stand before God. Think about this. In the whole of that Sinai Peninsula region and area. Full of rocks and dirt and sand. There is a place of heaven. Because heaven came down. Right into the desert. Take your shoes from off your feet. For the place where all my stand is this holy ground. Oh, brother, sister, let's reverence his presence. Let's reverence him. Notice this. He says, Moses, I'm paraphrasing, you're going to go to Egypt and you're going to speak unto Pharaoh and when you speak unto Pharaoh you're going to tell them to let my people go that they might serve me and, and Moses is starting an argument in his own head with the Lord about things and he says well what if the people ask me that is Israel asked me what's the name of the God who sent you tell us his name what will I say unto them in Exodus chapter 3 in verse 14 and God said unto Moses notice that I am that I am. It's powerful. If you get that, that's that's powerful. Burning bush, he says, I am that I am. Go tell them that. I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. What do you call God who sent you? I am. Do you know what Jesus said to the Jewish Pharisees? They looked at him being about 33 years of age and, he, and, and, and he's proclaiming that he is the I am. He says, Before Abraham was I am, he says. 
before Abraham, our father, was born. Before Abraham was even thought of. Before Abraham was called out of the earth of the Chaldees. Before Abraham was, Jesus said, I am. But you're not 30. You're not 50 yet, they said. You're not 50 yet. He was about 33. But you're not 50. See, they've seen the man. They've seen the flesh. They've seen the outward appearance. But within that beautiful son of God was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Before Abraham was, I am, he said. Notice Puritan Thomas Watson said this. I think this is fantastic. He said, God's center is everywhere. His circumference is nowhere. Think about that. The great eternal spirit, our Father God. God's center is everywhere. Centered here when we worship him. Centered when you meet with him. Centered in his word. God's center is not only here, but it's in the United States. There are a few hours behind us, but he's still there. God's center is also in the heavens. He's way to the other side of the world where they're way ahead of us in time. God's center is everywhere. But his circumference, you can't draw a circle around him, is nowhere. (laughs) Notice this. The Lord is, Psalm 27 and verse 1, the Lord is the eternal, self-existing, ever-living one. The Lord is the great I am, who is, which is, which was, and which is to come. The I am gives the idea of his eternality. Gives the idea that he's a God of eternity. He's the ever-living, ever-present, self-existing one. And Jesus is that one. And they took him with cruel hands and they nailed him to the tree. And he allowed them to do it. (coughs) Because it was all in the Father's will. That he would die for me. And that he would die for you. God has no weak or tearing extremities. And what I mean by that is if you or I were to hold our arms out with a bucket in each hand, after a while we'll get tired at our extremities. God has no weak or tiring extremities. His power is as eternal as his person. And his love is as great as his power. That's what took the Son of God to the cross. Psalm 27 and verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Notice the Lord. Let's go back. Look, we're just touching on this at the minute. The Lord, there he is. He always was, but yet there he is. 
He always was, yet he's here tonight. He always was, yet he's where you are and goes with you and he lives inside you, Christian. He always was, he is which was, and he is to come in the person of his son back to the earth again. But let's look at this. The Lord is. Will you turn with me to Genesis chapter 1? Genesis 1, please. We'll just read a few verses. Verse 1, please. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Notice, there he is. Bible, first chapter, the first book, the first verse, in the first line. There he is. In the beginning, God. You see, if they can take God out of the schools, God out of universities, God out of the colleges, if they can take the preaching of God out of our streets from the street preachers, if they can take God out of the center of the church, if they can take God's word out of everywhere in our nation, then we have a godless nation and everything else then fills it. Every other false god, false religion, socialist Marxism comes in as it's coming in. And what we find is there is no God. Take him out and there is no God. Fill it full of evolution. Fill it full of Darwinianism. Fill it full of all of these wonderful big bang theories. If we can just get rid of their God. But I can tell you brothers and sisters. You can never get rid of our God. Because he is the eternal God. The omnipotent. All powerful God. Notice, in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. We'd save them a fortune if they just read the Bible. They don't have to go and do all their scientific studies. They don't have to send probes out to Mars and land them with billions and trillions of dollars worth to find a little speck of the can of life. Everything they need of life is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. In his word, notice... And the earth was without form or void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved in the face of the waters. Notice, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. The psalmist says, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my light. Notice, here in the beginning we have, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. You know what John writes? I'm sure we're all familiar, well familiar with it. John chapter 1. Listen, chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. You ready? In the beginning was the Word, the Logos. And the Word, the Logos, was with God. And the Word, the Logos, was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Are you ready? In him was life. And the life was the light of man. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 14 says, And the Word, the Logos, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. Thank God for His grace. And truth. 
In him was life. And the life was the light of men. God who shines in the darkness. The darkness covered the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved. It's not fantastic. It means he brooded. God's spirit brooding on an ill-formed earth yet brooding over the darkness where there is no light whatsoever complete and total darkness and the spirit of God brooding over it and the word the spirit and the word brings a creation of light you see the entrance of thy word giveth light let there be light and there was light and him was life. And his life was the light of man. It's not beautiful. The one who did all of this brought his life. Not only did he speak into a darkened world. Not only did he make, bring the chaos, the without former void, the tohu vobohu, the topsy-turvy world. Without shape or make another world. How many of our lives were without shape or make? Topsy-turvy to say the least. And the Spirit and the Word was spoken into our lives and it brought forth the life and light of God. Born of the Spirit with life from above into God's family divine. Justified fully through Calvary's love. Oh, what a standing is mine. You know, and here we have the Lord who created all things, is now the one John says. He is the one who became flesh and dwelt among us. And he speaks into a dark life. Notice here, 1 John chapter 1. Listen to what John says. So we have in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Genesis 1 and 1. And then we have John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then 1 John chapter 1 and verse 11, he says, That which was from the beginning. Who's he speaking of? The Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. That which was from the beginning. Notice which we have heard. I want to break this verse down. See the term which we have heard? Do you know what gives the idea from the original Greek text? This is where it would read. That which was from the beginning. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the one who lent at his breast at supper. John, the youngest, now an old man. He's sitting there and these docetic Gnostics were saying there is no Jesus resurrection. There is no bodily resurrection. You see, all flesh is cruel and corrupt. And it's just dissolved and disappeared like the Jehovah's Witnesses would tell you today. He wasn't God. So John writes this to the church, especially for the Docetic Gnostics, that they would be uh, well-armed against these Docetic Gnostics, teaching uh, Gnostic is from the word gnosis, to know. Docetic is from the word dokio, which means to seem. In other words, they were there, those who were saying, it seems that you know, it only seems like Jesus was resurrected. It only seems that he was God in a bodily form. It only seems that he came in the flesh. It only seems that you know that, and it isn't true. John says, that which was in the beginning, which we have heard. He says, no, I know him. I know this Jesus. I know this Christ. 
And the idea is that which we heard, and this is the way it reads, that which I heard. And I'm old now, but I keep on hearing him speak to me. His words are still alive in my heart. His words are still ringing in my ears. That's the way it reads. John is not just saying, well, I heard him. He's not just saying, I heard him once and I heard him twice. Or I heard him for three years. John's saying, I heard him and his word is still alive in me. Oh, brother, let the word of God be alive in you. We can be in a meeting. Oh, we can be in a meeting. And the word of God seems so alive when we get home to our own problems outside there. The word of God seems to die in many and everything else is alive but God. I want to tell you that everything else die and let God arise in your heart and be alive. John is saying, that which we have heard is still ringing in my ears. Notice, which we have seen with our eyes. Gives the idea to look and understand that which you've seen. And John is saying, you listen, I know exactly what I saw when I watched him die in Calvary. I know the one, he didn't just swoon on the cross. Yes, his face was marred more than any other man. Yes, he was nailed hand and foot to the tree. Oh yes, he was battered and he was bruised. Yes, he was naked, I seen it. And I understand exactly what I saw and who he is. That's what John's saying here. John is saying, don't you let those descetic Gnostics pull the wool over your eyes to say that this is not the God-man Christ Jesus. Don't you let them try and take away from you the divinity that's in our blessed Savior. Don't you let them say he did not go to the grave and die for you and carry away your sins and bear them in his own body on the tree. Don't you dare! Don't dare, church! You get acquainted with him. And be at peace. Acquaint now thyself with him. And be at peace. He says, I've looked and understood what I've saw. That which we have seen with our eyes. That which we have looked upon. You know the difference between we've seen him with our eyes and then we have looked upon? What's the difference? We've seen him and understood and we have looked upon. What is the difference? The term here which we have looked upon is uh, the word threomai. To look upon, and it means, it's where we get our English word theatre from. Theatre. So someone buys a ticket and they go to see one of these shows on a theatre, and they sit there in the band, and the pit is ready to play the orchestra. And there is the stage set, and the curtain opens, and in comes every character, and as things start to build up, as the show starts to go on, as the music builds up and starts to play and becomes all very dramatic, as it were, and every character becomes known to the audience and the storyline starts to develop, we, we get drawn into it. We get drawn right into it. It's like there's no one else in the theatre but just you sitting watching this play going on. You're drawn into it. It's as though it sucks you right in. Well, John is saying, uses the word threomai, I have watched him heal the sick. I have seen him raise the dead. I have heard him preach the kingdom. 
have heard the Beatitudes. I have seen the demons cast out and flee in his name. And this wonderful Christ, I have met with him at his table. I have heard his heartbeat. I've seen him with my eyes. I've heard him with my ears. I've walked along the road with him. I've heard the very steps on the ground. I've seen him walk upon the sea. And he go on, he says, and then all of us, he says, he has drawn me right in. Christ drew me right in. Let Christ draw you in, brother. Let Christ just draw you right in. Right into him. Right into his life. Because his life will light up you. Your heart, sister. Friend, which we have looked upon in our hands of handled of the word of life. Uh, the term handled means to handle with a view of investigation. So we take the Bible here, and if I was one of those ones who could do sleight of hand, and by some means I was able to put it out of sight, and you would say, Where did the Bible go? And I could say, I don't know any Bible if I had this sleight of hand. What Bible? You only seen it with your eyes now. You weren't too sure that I had one in my hands. You weren't too sure that you saw one whatsoever at all. And people could maybe say that. The Docet agnostics could say, It only seems like that, that you know that. John finishes this verse and he says, he's drew me in, my hands have handled of the word of life. And what it means is, he's handled with a view of investigation. It's like I get the Bible and you come and you say, let me see that and you take it. Gareth takes it on his hands and you feel it, Gareth. That's good, that's good leather, that back one up us from the United States. Just feel it there. Feel the weight of it. It's heavy, isn't it? Now, I didn't have a Bible whatsoever. I'm not going to trick you now, sure I'm not, because you had it in your hands. Because you felt it right in your very fibers of your being. You felt it right in the midst of all you are. And John says, I have seen him. I have seen him. And he says, I have handled him. Handle me and see, says the living risen Christ. For a spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me have. A spirit is not flesh and bone. He didn't say flesh and blood. You know why? He poured it out for us at Calvary. I'm going to have to walk the whole way up here now again. So John says that which was in the beginning, speaking of Christ. And in verse 2 he says, For the life was manifested. Here's the living Christ now. The life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. So in Psalm 27 and verse 1, Boys are there, haven't he? That's my introduction. I'm going to close soon. <laughs> Psalm 27 and verse 1, he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is. You know, he just is. 
What is Jesus? He just is. He's everything. He is everything. The Lord is my light and my salvation, the one who lights up the darkened world. Notice what the Lord Jesus says, and he takes it from Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2, but he says it in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 16. Listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. The people which sat in darkness saw great light. Unto them which sat in the region of the shadow of death, light is sprung up. You see, there are many who are about to enter the valley of the shadow of death. And they'll enter without life, eternal life. And they'll enter without light, the light of the Lord, the light of the gospel, the light of his word. And they'll enter without hope, without God, without Christ, and without hope in the world. And they'll enter into the valley of the shadow of death on their own, without Christ. There are others who at this very moment sit in the region of that shadow of death, in the region of it. And yet they refuse the only light that matters. They sit under the shadow of death, trying to light up their own lives with stuff and substance. Trying to bring joy to their heart. Fulfillment to their soul. And none can be found but in Christ alone. Listen to what Jesus said in John 8 and verse 12. He says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Christian, you know where you were. I know where I was when Christ found me. You know where you were when his light shone in the darkness of our life and in our hearts. I know the deep, dark pit that I was in. And he shone right in. He brought his life into my dead soul. He brought his life into my dead heart. And he illuminated my spirit. And I've followed him ever since. How do you describe him? He's indescribable. He's the chiefest among 10,000. He is altogether lovely. And they kneeled him to the tree. Crucify him. Crucify. There's nothing you can give nor add for your salvation. (coughs) Don't come to the Lord in that day with anything in your hands. Don't come with him with your nationality either. Don't come with your 
denomination and don't come thinking because your skin's a certain shade of white, black or brown or whatever, yellow or whatever color, that you're going to be okay. Don't think because you have all of these things. Don't think because you have a certain heritage and pedigree in your life that you're okay. Listen, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because he nailed his son to the cross that you might be saved. It was the Lord who took him and it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Glenn read it out this morning around the table. It pleased Yahweh to bruise his son, the father to bruise his son. Because sin must be paid for. Your sin and mine. And Christ went all the way. And he paid it in full. And he cried, it is finished. If you're not saved, you need saved. The Lord, there he is. He's my light. My salvation. Tell you what I might do. Do part two next week. My salvation. You know what? It's not just that he does save. He is salvation. The Lord is my Yeshua, my Jesus. Yahweh is Jesus. Isn't that fantastic? Maybe next week I'll pray about it and think, unless the Lord lays something else in my heart, I'll maybe do part two. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Friend, if you're not saved tonight, you make sure before you leave this place, you get saved. Got a good news today. There's a woman who's been coming for a while and she gave her life to the Lord this week. And just got the news this afternoon. God is still moving, still blessing, still saving, still restoring, still healing. God bless his word to all of our hearts this evening. In Jesus' name. Thank you for your attention.